The information in this podcast is not a substitute for help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to episode 57 of the Practice of Being Seen podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Wong, relationship therapist. The Popscast is a collection of connectfulness conversations where we join together with therapists and anyone interested in deep restorative transformation. We examine how to create ripples of change within ourselves and within the world around us. Did you know that approximately 20% of the world's population carries the highly sensitive personality trait? That's basically one in five people that you encounter on any given day. You might even be highly sensitive yourself. There's quite a bit of stigma that comes along with the word sensitive, and the term highly sensitive person, or HSP, is often misunderstood. Given that most therapists and healers are also highly sensitive people, and that about 50% of their clientele are as well, it's imperative that we demystify the gifts and challenges that highly sensitive people experience internally and put forth into the world. As a highly sensitive person myself, I'm thrilled to be embarking on a new series of connectfulness conversations geared at understanding and working with the highly sensitive person. Because this topic of high sensitivity is so big that it's a real challenge to say everything in the span of just one single episode. Today I'm talking with April Snow, a therapist who focuses on highly sensitive people in her downtown San Francisco practice and who runs an incredible online community for highly sensitive therapists. She believes that being a highly sensitive person doesn't have to stop you from living a fully engaged life. It's just a matter of knowing yourself and making adjustments to care for your unique temperament. April's on a mission to destigmatize the word sensitive and highlight the sensitive strengths of being able to live, love, and feel deeply. April and I touch on so much in this episode. We define what the highly sensitive personality trait really is, the gifts and challenges that come with it. We talk about the importance of processing time and radical self-acceptance, the challenges of parenting highly sensitive children, the differences between introverted and extroverted highly sensitive people, as well as the differences between extroverted highly sensitive people and non-highly sensitive people who are also extroverts. We also dip a toe into the importance of letting the joy in and what that means to a highly sensitive person. We talk about the isolation and loneliness that highly sensitive people are prone to and the hero or heroine's journey that all highly sensitive people need to step fully into in order to really be themselves. And we discuss how embracing one's highly sensitive nature completely alters the way you may work or market yourself. It's about letting your Eunice surface and resonate more effortlessly. Because this is a series, we're also querying you, our listener. We want to be diving even deeper into this topic, and so we want to know what questions come up for you as you listen to this episode or what other topics you want us to dive into along these lines of talking about highly sensitive people. There's a link to our query in the show notes. 
I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Welcome, April. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I am so excited to be here. Oh, me too. You've started a group and you work with highly sensitive people and you've been working with more highly sensitive therapists as well. That is true. Yeah, I started working with highly sensitive people in my practice and I absolutely love it. I think it's really valuable work and really necessary work. And then I wanted more community. I was, you know, focusing on this population and really loving it. You know, I'm a highly sensitive person myself and I wanted to be around other highly sensitive therapists. So I started a Facebook group and it's been so beautiful. It just brings me to tears some days. It's so incredible, incredibly supportive and connective. It's been really an amazing space. I actually currently have three books that you've recommended on my nightstand. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it's also, I have to say, it's shifted my work. I'm becoming mm -hmm. more aware of my own sensitivities, mm -hmm. my families, and my clients in a new way. Mm -hmm. I've shared a video or two that you shared with me with a client and they've walked back in and they said, oh, I've discovered what type of highly sensitive person I am. So it's, it's, yeah, it's really transformational. So maybe we could use our conversation today to talk more about what this is yes. and help our listeners both identify themselves, identify other people in their lives and clients mm -hmm. to know what to look for. What is a highly sensitive person? Yeah, this is such important conversation because when you were talking, I was like, yes, we need to be seen, right? And yeah. that fits in exactly where with what you're doing here on this podcast. And I got really excited when you reached out to me to dive in deeper to this because we're not seen, we're a minority. Mm -hmm. And we often don't realize that we are highly sensitive, which creates a whole host of struggles. So to start with defining what is high sensitivity, because I think that's a great place to start. So people yeah. can start to recognize it in themselves. So highly sensitive person, that, that is an innate trait, which I like to stress. It's part of who you are. You were born with it. It's not something like a trauma response or something no, along those lines. Not at all. And that's a common misperception um, that it is, you know, it stems from maybe a difficult childhood or a trauma that's happened throughout the lifespan. But that's not true. You're sensitive starting in the womb. Mm. So you're born sensitive and you can see it in babies that are more reactive or like more sensitive to light or sounds. You can see it from birth. Um, so yeah, this trait exists in 15 to 20% of the population. So a large number, one in five people. And it just means that you have a more responsive nervous system and brain. You notice more details, you feel deeply, you think deeper. And then we can break it out on four key characteristics. So depth of processing, thinking deeply, being easily overstimulated by your environment, feeling empathy at a deep level. We have more highly active mirror neurons, so we're really empathetic and we really feel our emotions deeply, whether that's you know from negative to positive, the whole span. The whole, yeah. And then we also pick up subtleties in our environment and we're sensitive to lights and sounds, any sensory input. So smells. it's a comp smells, yes. A lot, a lot of HSPs are really sensitive to smells and they can smell things that other people cannot. Like, do you smell that? Like, no, it really impacts them. Mm -hmm. So it's a kind of complex range of experiences. It's not just being emotionally sensitive. And there's not just one way that it shows up. It, it shows up no. in a, a multitude of ways. Like yes, yes, exactly. And I've had people come into my groups because I love running HSP groups. And they're like, well, I didn't know if I fit in, right? Because I didn't have this one strong character. Like, oh, you fit, you fit. <laughs> you, so you interesting. Here. And I think that 
really sums up what we're all trying to do in this world. We're all mm -hmm. looking for a place where we belong and yet yes. feeling like we don't fit in anywhere. No, and it's heartbreaking to uh, me. Yeah. yeah, it really is because we're already a minority and our experience is not well known or even recognized sometimes within ourselves. So to feel like you're even more further on the outside is really hard. Yeah. You know, there's a Maya Angelou quote. Mm. That says, you're only free when you realize that you belong no place. You belong every place, no place at all. Mm -hmm. And I wow. think in some ways, that's such a powerful way to look at what this quest for belonging is and this mm -hmm. quest for not fitting in. Like, mm -hmm. maybe it's not a quest for not fitting in. It's a quest for belonging and a recognition that we don't fit in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. A recognition that we don't fit in and then there's something about really embracing ourselves, right? Just because we don't fit in doesn't mean we're less than. Oh gosh, no. Mm -hmm. It means we're exactly who we are. Yes. And we have a, a gift. We have a rare gift. <laughs> Do you want to go there? Do you want to talk a little bit more to us, April, about this gift of being a highly yes. sensitive person? Yes, 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 yes. I love this topic because this, you know, when we focus on being highly sensitive, it usually we focus on the challenges. Mm. And one thing that I love to focus on is the strengths, right? We have a lot of sensitive strengths. We make amazing friends, family members, workers, lovers, right? Parents. We're so deeply present and empathetic, caring. Uh, there's a, like, this deep kindness and desire to connect and show up for people um, we're very creative right our deeply thinking minds really weave everything together we're we're thinkers and creative types and dreamers and artists we're very intuitive and perceptive like i could go on and on yeah we have this rich complex inner life and that really shows up in the outside world although a lot of times we silence that right we try to make it smaller to fit in oh there's that belonging again showing definitely. up in a way that squashes who we are exactly exactly so I think I find this and a lot of the clinicians that I work with that I mentor, mm -hmm. I see that a lot of them are highly sensitive people and I know mm -hmm. myself to be one as well. Mm -hmm. Do you see that a lot of therapists by nature show up in this field being highly sensitive people? This is something I'm wondering about because I know up to half of clients are highly sensitive and I'm starting to realize that a lot of therapists are highly sensitive, which makes sense because this work is very suited to our need for complexity and exploring the deep, rich inner lives of people. And we're such caring beings that we are drawn to this work. Yeah. So this is something that's to be continued. This is something I'm exploring now. I, I'm really curious about. Yeah, I'd How be many curious. Therapists are highly sensitive. And the group that, you know, the Facebook group is growing rapidly. So more and more people are coming in like, oh, my people. I, you know, I feel <laughs> at home here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing space. If you're a therapist and you're listening and you're not already in April's highly sensitive therapist group, we'll include a link in the show notes that you can yeah, make sure you. to join. It's, yes, it's come definitely join us. Please. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to make sure that we touch on today? Where do you want to make sure that, like, what's the most important message mm -hmm. that you want to make sure we get out? You know, I was looking over some journal entries that I made around this topic, and I was thinking radical self-acceptance, right? Really accepting yourself and not being afraid to be yourself and show up how you are and advocate for what you need, because that is the only way to really thrive as a highly sensitive person. 
Radical self-acceptance. Radical self-acceptance. So, there's so much that's wrapped into that because on the outside, I hear that and I think, oh, yeah, that sounds like what I want. That sounds yeah. awesome. And then I think okay. about the process and the journey of getting there. Right. Exactly. It's two different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. What have, yeah. What have you found in your work mm-hmm. for the highly sensitive person to be the challenges and the what are they overcoming? What are they striving for? How are they showing up as the heroes in their lives? How are they getting to that place of mm-hmm. radical self-acceptance? Yeah, to start with the struggle. So mainly it's being over, definitely overstimulated by our busy world. That's really hard. It's really hard to create spaciousness and quiet. But as I see clients advocating for themselves more, like, no, I'm going to take this time for myself. I'm going to turn my phone off. I'm going to be less responsive. Um, I'm going to give myself more quiet time for journaling and art and music and being in nature. Just carving out those pockets for themselves on a regular basis has been extremely transforming. Like Giving yourself permission to take what you need on a regular basis. That's profound. Because then you can show up more very profound. You can show up more in your relationships, at work, with your family. You get to be more of yourself. Just starting in March. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't started yet. I've known to do this for quite a while, but I haven't officially done it. It's now mm-hmm. being done. But starting in March, I literally have like blocks of four hours on yes. Fridays that I have mm-hmm. written down as white space. Love that. Nothing planned, right? Nothing nothing planned because our brains need time to process you know our our brains are deep thinkers and we need time to catch up so everything that we encounter during the day we take it in whether that's you know just glancing at someone in your office or you know as you walk by or something you smell or something you see on the street we're taking everything in so we need time to download all of that and let our minds wander over it i was in a workshop with elena and she's you know the the main researcher behind this trait and someone brought up, how do we stop rumination? She's like, well, is it rumination or is it just processing? Kind of reframing that. Like, are we really ruminating or are we just, our minds are more active? Okay. This people? is brilliant. And yeah, I really, I'm, this, yeah, I'm wondering if we can like me too. slow this down and really yeah. expand mm-hmm. this because mm-hmm. this is definitely something that as a human I sit with and I'm like, mm-hmm. am I ruminating right now? Yes. Maybe I'm not. <laughs> Maybe you're not. Exactly. Is it just you know your mind kind of working something out or are you going in a circle? Right? It's always working something out. It's working something out. And our minds just do it more often. You know, we're and especially at night, you know, people are like, Well, I can't fall asleep, you know, my mind just won't shut off. It's like well, we that's the only time we actually give ourselves time to be quiet. So of course mm-hmm. the mind is like, Oh, I'm gonna take advantage of this time. But we need to carve out more of that time for just just to think. I think Elaine says two hours every day, which I don't know that most of us can give ourselves two hours of quiet every day, but that just shows you the the great need that we have for processing. I think it's a wonderful goal to have. And it's so permissive to notice that that's what the need is. Absolutely. I also just want to come back to this because I feel like we can't repeat it enough. Mm -hmm. The difference between rumination and processing is, yes. as you've just defined it, it's the difference between working something out or going around in circles. Mm-hmm. Right. Moving forward, being linear versus being cyclical, perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love that distinction. I think that's a really powerful one to sit with. Mm-hmm. Were there other challenges that you also see show up? 
Mm-hmm. A big one would be self-esteem, right? Feeling like you're enough as a sensitive person, right? Feeling like too much. Because how many times? Too much or you're not enough. That's it. Exactly. Like you can't show up enough because you need to take care of yourself or you're too emotional. You're, uh, you're too caring. Like it's too much. You know, I think a, a lot of us have heard, oh, you're too emotional. You're too sensitive. You're too anxious. Whatever it is. There's so many labels. I think Annie talked about this too, right? In yeah. her episode of she being did. like too much. Like that actually, that's where you find your gifts. Like, yeah, you're too emotional, but that's actually a gift. <laughs> when you can get around your head around it and you can embrace exactly. it. But it's exactly. Takes, yeah, that's the work, right? And that, so this is where the work that you so much do with your clients and your colleagues really shows up. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. this reframing. Exactly, exactly. Because we, you know, as sensitive people, because we're, our, we have a minority temperament, we don't see people like ourselves. And even the people that may be like us, they may have learned to hide their sensitivity or push it down. So we don't get a lot of modeling. And so we feel like there's something wrong with us. Like it's not okay to be this emotional or it's not okay to take our, you know, because we tend to be slow processors because our brains need to kind of prepare before we act. And we were labeled as shy or weak or anxious. All these things are put on us. So we tend to think very poorly about ourselves. And I try to undo that in my work. Yeah. Take those labels off, you know, start to see what's powerful and, and beautiful underneath of that. Oh, God, it feels like there's such a message in here, too, mm-hmm. that culturally, mm-hmm. if we could get this message out, what could we unlearn that is actually causing yes. us to feel these things that exactly. are detrimental to our being? Exactly. Unlearning, right? Shedding ourselves of all the things that we were told that we are or not. Mm. Yeah. And then could we raise another generation not having to learn those things? Right. That you're not broken because you're different. highly sensitive. Because you're different. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We could spread that message out on a lot of different identities. Mm-hmm. But it strikes me that that's aligned with the conversation I've been having a lot this season on the Popscast mm-hmm. about othering. That, yes. You know, it's yet another piece of I'm not like you. I'm different. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. When, uh, yes, exactly. It's, it creates separation. It does. Differentiation, at least. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see a pattern in these conversations where we get to a point where we identify an- yet another form of othering, another way that mm-hmm. we're separate or we're different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's this quest, there's this desire to belong yes, and to reintegrate things, but integrate mm-hmm. them from a place of holding ourselves and our differences mm-hmm. and not dimming the light on those things that those things are what makes us who we are yes we're complex beings right yeah we're a and we get to be yeah we get to be highly sensitive and all the other things that we are parents or artists or whatever it is it's all integrated <laughs> so much so yeah so mm-hmm. we've spoken a little bit about the highly sensitive person we've touched on the highly sensitive therapist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's more there the, the highly sensitive therapist has some really unique gifts and abilities oh, to bring yes. into their work. Yes, absolutely. Should I touch on that a little I bit? I would love for you to touch on yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the reason that I love working with highly sensitive therapists and just 
the very least creating a space, a community for them is so that they can realize that they are needed, right? First of all, mm. and that they bring so much to the therapeutic space. And you see a lot of therapists questioning, highly sensitive therapists questioning their ability to do the work long-term, which breaks my heart because it can be overwhelming without taking into account your temperament, like Mm-hmm. carving in time for yourself during the day and making sure you eat a good lunch and not overscheduling yourself and getting the right supports where they need to be. Those are all really important so that you can allow these gifts to come forward. And some of those gifts, I mean, just as a highly sensitive person, transfer that over to being a therapist, like empathy, right? Empathy is so important in our field. Just to sit with someone feel into their experience, meet them, be with them, be present. They, they're they really seen. And that's the most powerful thing you can offer in therapy. Is to and see someone. Yes, to see them. That's why they come to see us, right? They want to be seen. They want to have a safe space. And because of our empathy and our deep intuition and perception, we really can tune in and realize just what they need. Like, mm-hmm. I'll have a client walk in. Within the first 30 seconds, I know where they are. I can read them. And I'm like, okay, especially as you build a relationship with them, it gets more and more apparent. And I'm creating that space for them where they can just drop in. Mm-hmm. They know that I understand them, especially with my highly sensitive clients, although it doesn't have to just be with highly sensitive clients, and that we can really understand them at a deep level. I agree. I have a lot of those very same experiences. Mm-hmm. But I also know that it's taken me a long time to get to the place of accepting Mm-hmm. my ability to do that. Right. That's interesting. What do you, can you say more about yeah, that? I can definitely say more. Maybe this goes back to the messages we pick up. But, you know, when I was first starting out in this career, mm-hmm. I had a supervisor who questioned my intuition mm-hmm. in a very appropriate way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. um, wanted to know if my gut response to something was mm-hmm. intuition or was it indigestion? <laughs> And being a highly sensitive person who processes things a lot, <laughs> that hasn't left me like 15, 20 years. That's ago. it, right? It's yeah. stuck with, you said it's, 20 years, right? Stuck with yeah. you for 20 years. Exactly. <laughs> Stays, you know? Uh-huh. So I'm just kind of sitting with that still as we're having this conversation and I'm thinking like, okay, the difference between indigestion and intuition is, and how do I discern the difference and how do I know which one I'm having? And so it's taken me a really long time to get to the point where I trust my intuition and I know the difference between them. This is a really good point, not just for therapists, but for anybody who's highly sensitive, is we doubt ourselves so much because we have this kind of deep knowing. We know things and we don't know why we know them about people. And then people are like, well, how do you know that? You have no evidence for it. It's just a knowing. And so then you start to doubt yourself because people are like, well, I don't see that. Right? I'm not sure how you know that. You know, as your experience, well, maybe I'm just having indigestion and you start to doubt yourself. And that gets in the way of doing our best work, right? Yes. Right. It really does. I think in, in, a barrier. in so many ways, it gets in the way of bringing out the richness and the best of who we are. Mm-hmm. I watch my girls too. I have, I have two young girls mm-hmm. and I watch them and they're both sensitive in different ways. They're not like yeah. each other. They have their, mm-hmm. their different sensitivities. Mm-hmm. And I watch them and I, you know, I, I want to help them grow those pieces of them selves up and other pieces too, but I want them Mm -hmm. to like see the beauty in that stuff and I want to honor it and see it with them. 
it's just, it's such a challenge because the messages that are coming from everywhere, even if at home I'm trying to create a safe space for it, those messages keep coming and it's hard to watch how we grow up. Like I'm getting to watch it in them, but I'm seeing a parallel. It's, yeah, it's, it must be difficult as a parent. You know, you're creating this safe space at home where you can model your values, but then when they go out in the world, you can't control that anymore. Oh, you can't control it. But I'm, it also makes me think about, well, what was it like when I grew up? Right. right. It's, there's right. these parallel mm-hmm. pieces mm-hmm. where, and I think about my clients too, what was their life like? Because mm-hmm. we all have so information coming at us from so many different angles, it's right? true. We get pushed. We're inundated, right? Even if we learn how to tune out, I have one daughter who can't even walk into a restaurant where there's televisions on. It overstimulates her. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even in a situation like that, messages come from around the world. As a family, we know how to deal with it. But when she's not with us, right? Right? Right. How will she be understood and get her needs met if others aren't so aware of? why that's difficult because a lot of people are like well they don't understand why tvs in a restaurant might be overwhelming right and i think it comes down to you know our work is to teach her how to get comfortable with herself and her needs yes so she can use her voice exactly right and i think this is the thing that so many of us also Mm -hmm. need Mm -hmm. yes we need to use our voices (laughs) exactly yeah exactly and that is the most difficult thing for hsps you know, we're terrified of conflict. It's very overstimulating. We're, you know, we don't want to damage any relationships. We have such deep empathy that we feel deeply for other people. So we'd rather make sure someone else feels okay because at least we don't have to deal with the conflict or the worry mm-hmm. in ourselves to feel poorly, right? Yeah. So we would rather them feel okay than us. We take it on. We take it on. So we're feeling bad about ourselves and then we're feeling bad about others. It's so much to carry around. Oh, yeah, it really is. I want to take a breath in there. Yeah. So, April, what put you on this path to learning about highly sensitive people? This is a really good question. And it's one of those parts of my life that just unfolded. It's This is just the path I'm meant to be on. I can't even describe the specifics. I remember in graduate school, I had a classmate who shared that she was highly sensitive. I had no idea what that was had not heard of that term before. But as I started to learn about it, it was an epiphany. I always say it was like a light switch turned on. All the parts about myself made sense. And once that started to happen, I started to feel so much more comfortable in my own skin and so much more accepting of all the different pieces of myself and what I needed. And I stopped forcing myself into living a life that others expected me to live and then I wanted to give that to others so much because it had been such a healing experience for me over these past few years that I wanted to offer that in my practice. How long was that process for you? How long did that take to unfold to get to that place of, you know, beginning at least, not fully, beginning to accept yourself in that way? Beginning to accept myself. I'm going to say like two to three years. It was definitely a journey. I think that's really important to make note of. I agree. It's not a quick journey. It takes time because there's so many stories that we carry around about ourselves that we have to undo. 
so many of those labels we have to remove. That's not easy to do. And I was fortunate enough to be in a very um, tight-knit graduate cohort. I had a lot of community around me, a lot of them highly sensitive. Now that I look back on, I know that. So I was kind of on the fast track. And I've seen with clients, it takes years even just to accept that they are highly sensitive. Yeah. Right? Just to be able to embrace that part of themselves because there's a lot of stigma that comes with that word sensitive oh so much and you know the other side of that perhaps the word that they have heard it's either you're too sensitive or you're too difficult yes exactly right Right. yeah Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, the associations with that are not necessarily ones that make one feel good about themselves. Not at all. You feel very poorly about yourself. So the quest here is how do we shift that? How do we make this into, as I discussed with Annie, a superpower? Exactly. And I wanted to read something. I don't often do this, but I wanted to read an entry that I wrote in my journal Ooh. from last summer that I think really hits on this if that's okay. Oh, it's more than okay. I'm very curious. Yeah. So this entry is about accepting ourselves, stepping out and advocating for ourselves and taking time to live the life that is necessary for us. Mm. So I'm going to read this this little excerpt. So living the life of the majority robs me of my gifts, my clarity, my calm, I realize that I've been trying to fit myself in a mold and it just doesn't work. It doesn't support me. I have different needs and different wants. I want depth. I want quiet and inner reflection. Others may not understand this and they won't. I'm tired of swaying myself. I miss out on the rich beauty of life. I miss out on feeling joy. Yeah. So when we rob ourselves of what we need, we rob ourselves of this richness of life that we are capable of experiencing. We are so fortunate because when we feel something, we feel it deeply. Every little part of life, we appreciate at such a deep level. It's like a deep meditation. Mm-hmm. That is a gift. Not The majority, the non-HSP majority, cannot experience that as easily as we can. Right. And that I don't want to take that for granted. I don't want to miss out on that richness. Oh, that richness can be really beautiful mm-hmm. when we absolutely how to hold it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, April. Yeah. It's just, it's so important for me to let other highly sensitive people know first so that they know that they exist and there's nothing wrong with them. And to be is to know that it's a strength. Yes. Both. Yes. It's all of that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So much of that. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the meditations that I need in my daily life, the places where my own joy can seep in when I let it. Mm -hmm. I love that when you let it. When I let it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like there are many ways, much of my own healing work, get a little bit vulnerable here, but much of my own healing work in the past few years has been kind of a meditation on forgiving the places that I've betrayed myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And it's a work in progress. And I know that I'm probably not alone in that, that there are probably many who listen to this and say, oh, probably been on that journey too. <laughs> yes, yes, right? absolutely. And you're not alone on that journey. 
No, I don't feel alone on that journey. But I wonder if this is also one of, another way to look at this is to that meditation on letting the joy in. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that creating those daily spaces for that. Yes, and letting it be okay. It's okay to feel that joy. And yeah. others may not quite understand it, but you can hold that for yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Give that to yourself. You know, it strikes me that there's another side to this conversation that we haven't really touched on. We've touched on it, but not using these particular words yet. Maybe we haven't talked about the isolation and the loneliness of being a highly sensitive person. Yes. And Elaine talks about five things HSPs need, and that's one of the most important. Knowing other people like yourself, which is important no matter who you are, you know, how you identify or how you show up in the world. Community is vital. It's vital. And isolation is a huge struggle for HSPs. They're, you know, we're lonely if we don't, well, A, if we don't know about our trade, and B, if we don't have others who we can feel comfortable around. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can actually just really dive into that depth of being a highly sensitive person and be vulnerable and be emotional and, yeah, just really dive in. It shows up in a lot of different ways, right? Because there are some people who are more extroverted, highly sensitive people. Yes. And there's some yes, who are exactly. more introverted. Exactly. 30% of HSPs are extroverted. And they're often missed because the assumption is that all HSPs are introverted, but they're out there. They exist. And they want to socialize more. Right. Yeah. And what do you find are the typical presentations for someone who's both extroverted or someone who's mm-hmm. introverted? Mm-hmm as a highly sensitive person, mm-hmm. how are they going to present differently? How mm-hmm. would somebody recognize themselves? And I don't even know if it's so important to recognize yourself in one category or the other. I don't like boxes so much. I like more fluid. Right. But, <laughs> yes. but in terms of this continuum. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the introverted, highly sensitive person is very clear. You know, you're going to have all the different characteristics of the does, the depth of processing, overstimulation, emotional and empathy and sensitivity to subtlety. So those are all going to be present across the board where the introvert is going to probably be more overstimulated. They're going to have a, an urge to draw within more mm. um, where the extrovert is also going to get overstimulated, but they're going to want more time with others, but it's different than just being extroverted and not HSP. They're going to get tired easily. They're going to want to withdraw sooner. They're going to want more alone time. Is there a different quality also either among or outside of this grouping of what kind of relationships people are striving for? Mm, That's a really good question. I feel like the relationships always want to be deep. Yeah. So even I'm thinking of a knowing. Yeah, a knowing. Exactly. Like, right. Really knowing. I'm thinking of a non-HSP extrovert who's happy with small talk and kind of bouncing around at a party they want more novelty mm-hmm. or an HSP expert is going to want to slow that down. They're going to spend more time connecting on a deeper level. They're going to want less novelty. Yeah. They're going to need to recharge more often, but that can be hard being an extrovert and an HSP. There's a little bit of a conflict within you're kind of getting pulled in, in two different directions at times that urge to move out and that urge to move within. I imagine it's an internal pull in different directions, which is what makes yes. it so confusing. Yes, exactly. And some extroverted HSPs 
may think that they're introverted or they, you know, but there's, there's a need to recognize both of those parts of you and nourish both of those parts, that part that needs to pull within and process and rejuvenate and that part that needs to really spend time connecting more than an introvert would. Mm. Just finding that optimal level. So just to go back, you said, I think it was one in five people are highly yeah. sensitive. Yeah, to up to 20%. Although there's new research that says that number might be higher, but for now we'll stick with, yes, one in five. That's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. I know, isn't it? it? It's so amazing to me because we walk around with this like non-acceptance of it. Yes, bring, com- coming back to that isolation bit, we're feeling so isolated, yet one in five of us are highly sensitive. It's crazy. Is it? <laughs> it is. And there's this other side where our world is getting so overconnected and overstimulated. Yes. Right? It's so hard to tune things out. Like even just going on a drive on the highway these days. Yes. Like there's so much stimulation coming from so many angles. And yet 20% of us struggle to deal with that. That's why we're struggling. I think back, I have this internal desire to want to live in a different time when things were quieter. And I think this is why, you know, HSPs are struggling so much in our modern world is because our lifestyles are so much more fast paced. There's so much more inputs, you know, with electronics and marketing and media and all of that. There's so much more coming in and coming at us. It's much harder to live a balanced life and it's becoming less acceptable. You know, everything is you know, um, instant gratification. So someone sends you a text message or a call or an email, they expect a response right away. Versus before 50 years ago, you only got to talk to someone if they called you on your house phone. And if you weren't home, that was okay. So there's a lot about our modern life that is hard for HSPs. I so agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's I harder to get away from the noise. It's much harder, and I think it makes it more important to carve out those spaces to give ourselves room to process things and to yes. be inundated with everything else. Yes, we have to be much more intentional. Yeah. The place that I want to come into is for therapists who are so empathic and who feel this job so strongly of, I have to help everybody. Yes. Like you see it in Facebook groups all the time where they're saying, how come people don't call people back? And right. you know, conversations along those lines, mm-hmm. how does a therapist carve out the space in their professional world where they're not trying to help everyone? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Like, I know how I do it. I'm sure you know how you do it and how we both probably help others do it. But I think that's an important part of the conversation for us to come back to. Absolutely. And I love that have to, right? There's this obligation. Yes. Yes. So April and I took a little break, but we're back now. And I want to start by diving in a little bit to April's story. We talked a little bit earlier about your time in college and where you started to notice yourself as a highly sensitive person. But I know that some of our listeners and some of your followers have been really curious and wanting to know more about your quote-unquote heroine's journey. This was such a powerful piece of introspection for me. So I started looking beyond that moment when I found out I was highly sensitive to the start of my story, right? When I was a young child and clearly highly sensitive, although no one knew what that meant or even what that was. But I was so moved by everything and I was so impacted by little subtleties in my environment, but I grew up in an environment where that sensitivity was definitely either squashed or 
I would say at times used against me, right? I grew up in a pretty um, rough household, some trauma, some abuse. So I learned to disconnect from my sensitivity as a young child. It wasn't safe to be sensitive and vulnerable. They weren't going to be held. Not held at all. It was actually a little bit dangerous, yeah. right? To show that part of myself. So I disconnected. I shut down. I withdrew. Uh, I had to be strong. That's such a common journey for so many. Yes, it really is. And I want to honor that just, you know, there's this misperception that sensitivity is weakness, right? But it's actually, there's a lot of strength there too. Go there, and talk more. Yeah. Doesn't it take bravery and strength to feel all of those emotions and to feel them so deeply, mm. right? To go to those places within yourself. That's brave. Courage. It's courageous. Exactly. It's very courageous. It's something that not everyone is able to do. And highly sensitive people, because we're feeling everything so deeply and at such a more, um, more magnitude than the non-HSP population, it takes even more courage to go there, right? It takes even more courage. Because there's a loneliness that's embedded into it. Oh, my goodness. The loneliness is really strong, and I see that a lot with my clients, with other therapists, where we feel like we're the only one going through this, right? We feel like there's something wrong with us, that we have to change, that we can't be ourselves. We can't be sensitive and emotional and perceptive and intuitive. We have to disavow from all those amazing qualities within us. Um, and so then we start to lose ourselves. We lose that magical part of us, right? I think this is an integral part of the journey, though, because if we don't lose ourselves, we can't find ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. We can't find ourselves unless we are off course for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, I think about, you know, every hero or heroine's journey, and I think that's an essence of it. Mm -hmm. Right, that rediscovery, reconnection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that moment when I found that I was highly sensitive, that was that reconnective point for me. Mm -hmm. And that's where all the pieces of myself started to really come back together. Like I was able to take that strength and then also those really soft parts of me and they just became intertwined, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's make this illustrative for our listeners because I think it sounds like, oh, I want that. I can yeah. imagine that so many people are listening and wanting exactly that for themselves. But how? I think about this a lot because I get this question a lot. How do we be authentic? How do we advocate for ourselves? How do we get other people to understand what our needs are? We have to use our voice. We have to step out and we have to... Step out Show, of your comfort zone? Step out of your comfort zone. Tell people what you need. Live the life that you need to be your best self. No one is going to give that to you, right? No one's going to give that to you. Can I actually take some of my words back and maybe play this out with you a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So is it really stepping out of our comfort zones or is it allowing our comfort zone to expand? Expanding. Mm, definitely expanding your comfort zone. Right. You're just actually stepping into your comfort zone, right? You're, yeah. You're I, th in. I think you're stepping into who you are. Exactly. As I'm thinking about that, I'm getting this visual of this. Yeah. You're just within your own zone. You're stepping into your authority. 
Yes, into your authority, into yourself. Into your knowing? Yes. Into your authenticity. I think authenticity is a hard word these days because it's so overused. And Mm -hmm. in the overuse of it, we lose meaning. Yeah, we really do. So I want to just make sure that we're defining it and being really clear about what it is. I think it has to do with this knowing of who you are. There's the word essence is coming to me, right? That true essence, who you really are. Which comes right back to sense, which comes right back to sensitivity. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. And we talked about late. You are a sensing person, yes. Yes, you're a sensing person. You're a sensing person and... These senses, the things that you're picking up, the things in the world around you, this is part of the gift when you share it. And you just said when you share it, right? I did. We have to get to a place where we can share our gifts, that we allow ourselves to step into that comfort zone, to step into our essence, to step into who we are, and then our gifts will come forth effortlessly. Effortlessly. So we were talking about this a little before we hop back on, but so often we hear other colleagues, people in the world in general, talking about the push, the hustle, the kicks in the butt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were both talking about this more effortless place. Yes. You said kicks in the butt, right? It shouldn't have to feel forced. <laughs> we know what that feels like. It's everything else in our life. We do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and when you're talking about your work, it shouldn't feel like an obligation. You had a really right? great way of defining it before we came back on the call. Do you remember that? So what I was talking about before is instead of it feeling like an obligation, like it feeling like work, it should be more just coming through you. Right? It's like you're a vessel. connecting you're a vessel. You're just connecting to the meaning behind the work. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is where, you know, we can say you're connecting to your highest meaning. You're connecting to your highest purpose. You're connecting to the work that you are meant to do. Exactly. You're connecting to the work you're meant to do. And when you connect with yourself, that becomes very clear. There's so, no question. I feel like there should be a drum roll here or something, but this is my work. Everything I do is called connectfulness, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so it Mm -hmm. all begins with this place of getting really clear on that, seeing yourself that deeply, and then being able to let that ripple out into all the other relationships and the work you do Mm -hmm. in your life. That's exactly it. When it becomes clear, it impacts every other aspect of your life. Everything. And then that sense Mm -hmm. of needing to get your butt kicked or that sense of needing the hustle diminishes because nothing dissolves. Yeah. You you don't need the push anymore. Good or bad. You don't need a push. You don't need the push. I don't need the push to get out of bed. I love doing what I do. People ask me why I do it. And I say it's because it's generally because it's what I'm meant to do. There's no question. And getting to that place, that's the heroine's journey. That's the work. Absolutely. That is not an easy journey, by the way. (laughs) You have to get really in touch with all of your stuff and all of the pain of your life and, you know, grieve those parts of yourself that you, you were disconnected from for so long and then reconnect with them and then embrace those parts and then rediscover who you are, who you've been all along. And I think this is the how that we were kind of stumbling into before, Mm -hmm. right? The how is, is this is the deep, dark work. It's not fun work. 
it's not fun. There's going to be a lot of tears and catharsis. Mm-hmm. I often say that there's also a lot of space. You mentioned grief. I think forgiveness and letting go. And it's not just letting go like, oh, you don't need to feel that thing. But it's like mm-hmm. letting go of these ideas of who you're supposed to be or how you're supposed to be it. Exactly. Throw those out the window. Mm-hmm. Get rid of those. Bring in compassion instead. Redefine everything so that it fits who you are and how you're meant to show up in the world. Exactly. Exactly. Just great space for that. And then you will come through. It will be effortless. So when you start coming through and you're a highly sensitive person and you're a therapist in the world, and now you're showing up and you're coming through as your true authentic self, you want to talk about marketing? Ah, I got really excited as you said that. So the idea of <laughs> highly sensitive therapists coming through authentically is so powerful. Agreed. We have so much to offer this world. And, you know, when we talk about marketing, there's a piece around connecting with that inner purpose and that marketing will also become effortless, right? It won't become about the hustle or the push or I have to do everything this certain way. That becomes effortless as well. I bet you can relate to this too, Rebecca, where marketing, it just becomes natural. Mm -hmm. We're just showing up as ourselves and that's our marketing. Yeah. And I find that there's another layer too, where Mm. opportunities show up when you get out of the way. Absolutely. They just manifest. Mm -hmm. They just manifest. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel I have to think about how things have come to me and there is this sense of ease that's happened for my work Mm -hmm. because I'm in alignment. But that's the thing. It's not like it's easeful. It's you've done the work to get in alignment. Exactly. Well, it's two parts. It's doing your personal work, right? Going in deep, going into those dark places. And then it's doing the other work, creating relationships and showing up and being vulnerable, being authentic. I found that that is so impactful. You know, going back to marketing, I noticed that within myself, and I'm guessing this is true for you as well, that there's an incubation period where I need to sit with something and really process it and chew on it for a while before I'm ready to do anything with it to put it out into the world. Exactly. And I think that is a a part of being highly sensitive because we need to process everything deeply. We need to think about all the different factors. You know, we do it once, we do it right. Right? So by the time we do launch something, or we do put something out into the world, it's exactly as we want it to be. Right? Mm-hmm. It's fully gestated. Mm-hmm. So I want to encourage everyone who's thinking about putting a product or a service out there, just give yourself time. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you need to go at someone else's pace or on someone else's timeline. This is especially true when maybe you're in a consultation group or in a marketing group or a mastermind group, you are not going to move at the same pace. I just finished a six month mastermind and I realized, you know, I moved a little bit slower through the group than others did. And I just had to let myself be okay with that. That's just my process. That's your process. So how long has it taken you and Beth to put together this retreat? So it's been almost a year. And at the beginning, it was just getting comfortable with the idea of doing a retreat, Mm -hmm. right? Getting clear around why this is important to us. And then a few months in, we finally started looking at some of the logistics. So we just gave ourselves time. Yeah. And it sounds like you had fun with it. We had a lot of fun. We've had fun just connecting and thinking about why we want to do this, why it's important. It's gave us time to build relationships within our community and then also be able to make this retreat more suited to them and what they need. 
not what we thought they needed, which I think is really important. Which is also a great piece here. You're talking about doing research and you're not talking about doing that research like here's a survey. No. You're talking about being being immersed within a community that -hmm. you've created, but being immersed within a community and really listening. Exactly. Right. Really listening and then also simultaneously benefiting from being in that community. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't become dreadful because when we think of marketing, it feels dreadful. It feels salesy, which I know HSPs are immediately, we can pick up on that. Right. It's not about that. It's just about doing the work that you really want to love and then things just flow. And in doing the work that you really love, you're just mm-hmm. being a vessel. You're being of service. You're, exactly. you're communicating this message. You're helping people learn about this thing that you care passionately about. And exactly. the salesiness of it diminishes. So my mission is to help highly sensitive people and highly sensitive therapists discover that they're sensitive. To realize and, that. Yeah. And connect them. And connect them with each other. Because one of the yeah. most in- Two of the most important things that you need as a highly sensitive person, A, to know that your trait is actually real. There's validity to what you're experiencing in this world. And two is to be around other people that are like you so you realize that you're not alone. Those two pieces are the most healing. Yeah, they are. And so I think there's something about this where when we can help therapists get more clear on their own work around this, they can be one step ahead and help guide their clients into this place of not feeling so alone. Absolutely. So they can take better care of themselves Mm -hmm. and they can do better work. And so you're creating community for therapists to not feel alone. Absolutely. And so many therapists in the group, there's a sense of relief that happens. Yes. Finally, there's people that navigate the world the same way that I do, that navigate the therapy room the same way that I do. There's nothing wrong with me, essentially. And you're taking it a step further. Do you want to talk a little bit about what's coming? Yeah. So we were having such amazing experiences connecting in the group on, online and on Facebook. And my co-facilitator, Beth, and I decided we need to bring this in person. So we're hosting a highly sensitive therapist retreat this July in Santa Cruz, which is where it all began. Elaine Aaron was in Santa Cruz when she developed the self-test and started doing the initial research. So it's actually, it's like coming home in a sense. Um, Yeah. And the reason we're doing this is because again, a therapist need to join together. They need to find community. That's such an important piece. And then also to learn more about themselves as sensitive people and sensitive therapists, because we do have unique limitations and then also unique strengths. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. April, I'm so excited to see what you put forth into the world. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you so much. You've been an inspiration. It goes both ways. Again, we really want to hear from you and know where you want to take this conversation next. What questions are coming up for you? What do you want to know more about along the topic of being or working with highly sensitive people? There's a link to a query in our show notes so that we can hear more from you and include your voice in the ongoing conversation. 
We also welcome you to join our Pobscast community on Facebook or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag Pobscast. You can also send me an email at practiceofbeingseen at gmail.com. You may know that I'm a relationship therapist based in New Paltz, New York. I work with individuals and couples who are diving into deeper relationships with themselves and the people who matter most in their lives. If you're not local, we can still work together. I do offer private intensive retreats, and I'm going to be opening up some dates for that um, starting this May. I also mentor and consult with therapists, and I have some really wonderful events coming up. I also am just about to open up some new one-on-one mentorship spots. So if that's something you're interested in, you can learn more about all of my services by clicking a link in our show notes. The Practice of Being Seen podcast is produced by me, Rebecca Wong. Along with the support of my amazing behind-the-scenes team, Nicole Stevenson and Christy Hausler. Music by Chris Farris Jr. and Sr., produced by Kidney Stone Studio. We hope that you enjoyed the show, and will join us next week for another episode of The Popscast, brought to you by Connectfulness. <laughs>